This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I began self-work four years ago, a little more than four years ago, because I wanted to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be interested in psychological and emotional issues, maybe even in therapy and just want to learn more, from those of you who've been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or you're having relationship issues and you need information, or to a third group, of course, to those of you who would say, I'll never darken the door of a therapist, and yet you're just curious enough to listen in to something like self-work. I don't know about you, but my eyes immediately filled with tears this week when I watched the first delivery trucks pulling away from the Michigan Distribution Center here in the U.S. loaded with vaccines. We are lucky in the U.S. to be able to access it, and I sincerely hope that the vaccine canon will be shared throughout the world. We all need to be kind to one another as there are signs that 2021 may not be quite as harsh and unforgiving a year. We can all have hope. I realize that this week's offering is coming on Christmas Day, a very special day for people of the Christian faith. Hanukkah is also being celebrated this month as is Kwanzaa, Boxing Day. The month of December also holds significant spiritual days for Buddhists and Muslims. And I'm sure there are others I'm not aware of. I hope that all of you can celebrate in peace. So you may wonder about why I'm offering a podcast on therapy ending today. Well, it's because I said I would in 209 last week. I read a listener email from someone who was trying to confront and heal a porn addiction, as well as other compulsions, and felt intensely shamed by his therapist for not following her recommendation to go to AA for help. He had tried it, and it just didn't work for him. But during therapy, he felt more and more like his shame over his addiction was growing, almost paralyzing him, and causing him even more problems than before, mostly because of his therapist's reactions. His wife helped him see the problem, and they found another therapist, even though the one they'd left had advertised herself as an expert in addictions. So, I thought it very important to address this subject. I'm a huge believer in the power of good therapy, but it's not always good. And we need to address how you know when it's time to leave or not. The listener email is once again very different this week. I'll be reading from a letter I received from a man who's serving time in prison for what I don't know. He reached out in a very special way, and I thought you'd like to hear. So in this episode, once again, sponsored by our friends at BetterHelp, we'll talk about how to decide to leave or stay with your therapist. It's a huge subject, but I'll do my best to whittle it down into helpful information. We're talking today about when, how, and why to leave therapy or not. So let's first talk about good reasons to leave. And let's talk about the happiest one, when you're better and you feel therapy was a success. You've changed certain things, your realizations have led to better self-compassion or understanding of your relationship or yourself. You've moved in a great direction and feel that you can go it on your own. This often leads to a discussion in therapy of how you'd get back in if you need a tune-up, as it's sometimes called. 
or if you're on medication, how you might talk to your prescriber about staying on or going off. But sometimes, even though it's a time to be celebrated, it can be hard to say goodbye. You can feel very close to your therapist. After all, they may know things about you no one else does or have helped you through a very difficult time. So like anyone who's done that, you have feelings, and they may likely also be very proud of you. I've often said to my folks, it's my job to do myself out of a job, and I can promise you it's a tremendous experience to watch someone grapple with depression or learn to manage anxiety or a cyclic disorder or to see a couple rise out of the potential ashes they feared their relationship was in and learn new ways of listening and respecting each other. It's an amazing day when someone's ready to leave. But there are other good reasons to quit therapy. The number two good reason for leaving has to do with what the listener that wrote in last week was talking about, feeling shamed for his non-cooperation with the therapist's recommendations. Certainly, if I have someone who rarely if ever considers or does what I might recommend, then I do talk to them about it. I might question whether or not they're comfortable with me or what might be getting in their way of doing so, but being shamed for not doing so is therapist misbehavior, maltreatment, or disrespect for boundary issues. There are many such behaviors. Anything having to do with a therapist telling you you're special to them or suggesting time together outside of therapy can actually be sexual grooming, which might lead to abuse. And not only should you leave, but you should report that behavior. If a therapist's personal issues come into therapy, that's a big no-no. I don't mean the occasional reference to their own life that might be helpful to you. I mean that they talk a lot about themselves, telling you things about their family, or even asking for your advice. This is therapy, not friendship, and the energy should travel in one direction. Other less discussed boundary issues are unreasonable or chaotic business practices, like never knowing how long a session will last or not knowing what the financial agreement is. All of that should be noted in a written contract at the beginning of therapy, because the structure of therapy should be very clear. It's hard enough to handle the emotions that may be stirred up because of therapy. It's unethical to add any of the above to that therapeutic picture. The third reason to leave is what I call a lack of attunement. Maybe this is what some would identify as not a good fit, and that certainly could be. I remember a man I saw only once who reminded me of my ex-husband so much, and not in good ways, that I had to refer. In the business, that's called counter-transference and has to be managed carefully by therapists, realizing that someone has a pull for you or is a trigger of some kind. It doesn't always mean referral. Sometimes you can use counter-transference in a positive way, but therapeutic supervision for that is highly recommended. But sometimes the fit just isn't good between the patient and the therapist. You simply never feel comfortable, or you don't understand or agree with your therapist's way of thinking, technique, or practice. If you feel this way, you let them know. You know, I don't feel comfortable in continuing. Sometimes you can talk about it and the problem can be averted, other times not, and that's okay. No therapist is for everyone. But maybe it's more than a bad fit. Maybe it's because the therapist isn't attuned. The most dramatic example I've ever heard of, and you may not even believe this, is that the therapist falls asleep. I just shook my head in disbelief when I heard that, but I've heard it more than once. Or your therapist is not really listening. Maybe you say you think you'd like to try medication or you need to come in more often, and they say, well, I don't think that's called for right now. 
That could mean they're not understanding how poorly you're functioning outside of the therapy office. You may look okay, but you're not okay. But again, you may not feel heard. So you can go back to your therapist and say, you know, I didn't feel heard last time at all and talk it out. It doesn't mean that you simply should not go back. But lack of attunement can also look like that what they're saying simply doesn't make sense. They may forget major details of what you've told them. That's just unacceptable. Now, if I'm lost sometimes, I'll ask, you know, I'm struggling to remember this. Sure, but too many mistakes, that's just not okay. But you may need to leave if you realize before thing, you're not getting better. We've already touched on the idea that if a therapist is recommending things for you to do and you don't even try them, then the responsibility may be a little unclear about why you're not getting better. Maybe the therapist's suggestions are not on target or maybe you're not buying into the idea that therapy is hard work. But this needs to be figured out because most therapies are designed to help you create a better, more fulfilling life, to manage a mental illness or heal from trauma or abuse. Maybe you need a therapist with a different set of skills or expertise. I refer patients out for EMDR, for example. I used to do it myself, but stopped because I felt I needed more training and I didn't have time. That doesn't mean I'm divorcing them, but that for their work to continue in a positive direction, they need something I'm not prepared to give them. Another example is when I refer to a group. I don't run groups, and often I think that experience would be very helpful. But you want to attend to the idea, am I getting better? And if not, you can certainly look at yourself. But it may be that you and your therapist are simply not on the same page and you need to try someone else. I appreciated this fifth reason presented in Psych Central, guilt. Now that may seem strange. You feel like you want to leave therapy, but you don't. Because somehow you feel as if you owe it to your therapist to continue. I've heard this more than once, so I know it's out there. The relationship has turned into you taking care of them, and of course, that's tied in with therapist boundary violations. Therapy, again, isn't friendship. It's a unique relationship whose focus is you. If you're someone who has trouble with assertiveness, then this could be a problem for you. And I'd recommend going to another therapist to get help on how to end the other therapeutic relationship. The last reason to sometimes leave is practical, money. Some therapists have a sliding scale, others do not. Some take insurance, others don't. And that's completely up to them. There are no legal issues that I'm aware of that mandate what a mental health professional must do. The legal issues are mostly ethical. Of course, that's why the online therapies like BetterHelp have come into being, as they're much more practical financially and don't require you coming to the office, which can be very effective for many people. So those are reasons to leave therapy. But talking about better help leads us to their offer that I want to talk to you about today. Before we go there, I do want to say about finances that you don't want to incur a huge debt to stay in therapy, as that will have an effect on how therapy actually goes, because it could be a huge secret that you're keeping from your therapist, and those have power you don't want. So now, let's get to the message from BetterHelp. BetterHelp has now been a sponsor of Self Work for a few months, and I've been hearing how pleased you are with their services. I couldn't be more excited about that, as by now you know I'm a huge believer myself in the power of therapy. What is BetterHelp? 
It's an online therapy service that has earned the number one ranking for the quality of their service to their consumers. When you contact them, you are offered several different licensed professional therapists to choose from, all that have been vetted by BetterHelp. You can have sessions via video, text, or phone. And I found, because of course I checked it out before recommending it to you, that each therapist was very available, literally a text away, and made some of the same therapeutic suggestions to me that I'd offer myself as a therapist. Here's an excerpt from a listener who wrote in, I'm a 23-year-old living in Brazil. I'm only writing this message in order to express my gratitude towards you and your podcast. Having anxiety disorder, I always felt like I needed therapy, but I was too anxious to start it. With self-work, not only I've learned some valuable insights about dealing with my condition, but also the basics of how therapy sessions work, which allowed me to finally get some courage to start it. With the coronavirus pandemic, I'd also been concerned about attending personal sessions, but then I learned about better help in your podcast, and it sounded just perfect for what I needed. I've been getting online counseling from BetterHelp for six weeks now, and I feel like it's been helping me a lot. That's just so wonderful to hear. And now, BetterHelp has a special offer for you. 10% off the first month of sessions if you use this link. Trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork. I'm never more honored than hearing someone sought therapy after listening to selfwork. And if selfwork is helping you, Maybe better help is your next step. So what are the good reasons not to leave, or at least to carefully consider whether or not you're being impulsive? First, it could be uncertainty. Why am I doing this anyway? And even fear of continuing. In that case, I always recommend to people that they tell the therapist they need to slow down. If you're afraid, slow down. Of course, it would be nice if the therapist realized this, and maybe they will, but some clients are pretty good at hiding insecurity. I always tell my trauma clients at the beginning of treatment, you're in charge, not me. If I'm going too fast or ask a question you're not ready to answer, just tell me. The last thing we want therapy to do is to re-victimize you, because I know I have a strong personality. So often I need to soften or slow things down a little for those who are more fearful. I may not be doing it enough, and feedback about that is always welcome. You can talk this out with your therapist. Tell them, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And if they're respectful, they'll say, I understand. I do think this topic is important, but it's also important for the timing to be right for you. I hope you can hear the difference between this and lack of attunement. They may be telling you that talking about something could be helpful without trying to coerce you or manipulate you even into doing so or shame you for not. The second reason to stay is truly feeling stuck. That may seem contradictory. A lot of times when you're stuck, this means that you may not be ready to take the next step. And it's different from avoidance. Maybe it's realizing that there's too much going on in your life outside of therapy to do the work, or you've done enough for now. So you give yourself permission to hit the pause button. I well remember someone who'd come in and done really deep, intense work on sexual abuse, which had occurred both within her family and outside of her family. With therapy, many things got better. Her symptoms of anxiety cleared, her relationship with her partner greatly improved, and her role as a mom became much more enjoyable. She realized there was more, 
but she had done all she could for that moment. Whether or not she ever continued was up to her in my book. I don't think it's a therapist's right to somehow decide whether or not you're done. It's a decision that you can both talk about. Now, if there are grave concerns such as addictions that aren't addressed or an eating disorder, then that can be stated by a therapist gently without shaming, but they've got to be honest about the seriousness of those problems. So sometimes when you feel stuck, you can take a pause. You can say, you know, I just need a little time away from this, but it doesn't mean you leave the relationship. You just take a break. But what if you get angry with your therapist? Is that a reason to leave? If any of my patients are listening to this and have been angry with me, I hope they're nodding their head and saying, yep, and we talked about it, and you apologized for what you'd said or done or not said or not done, or maybe I did, but the relationship and I grew as a result. Often a client's anchor is justified. Maybe I didn't think through something or I simply just misunderstood. I understated or overstated. Maybe I canceled a session which they thought was unfair. Money can sometimes make people angry. Most therapists charge for sessions missed when there's not an emergency, and even though that language is in the contract, people can forget and feel it's unfair. Maybe a client's anger feels unfair to me, so we need to talk it out, and I need to try and understand their view. Conflict resolution is an important skill and can be practiced in the therapeutic relationship, and that's a huge reason not to leave. I will say this, sometimes people come into outpatient therapy wanting to do that kind of work, and they're simply too ill. Their addiction is too powerful, or their depression is too severe. And you have to say, you know, I don't think outpatient therapy will keep you safe. I think you need residential treatment, and that can make someone angry. So again, that kind of conversation has to happen very carefully, hopefully. Here's another reason. Should you leave because you're struggling to reveal secrets? You know, it can be much later in the therapeutic setting or relationship that a patient feels ready to reveal their secrets. Things maybe you feel shame about, what was done to you, or sometimes what you did. I advise people not to leave therapy, but to start where they are. Say something to your therapist like, there's something I'm afraid of or embarrassed about or don't know how to tell you. A good therapist will understand and be with you in that place. So you end up talking about the process of therapy rather than any kind of content. Meaning, you talk about what you're afraid of, of what might happen if you do reveal, rather than telling the actual secret. It can lay the groundwork for later telling if you so choose. So often you're afraid of feeling shame, and a good therapist will not shame you. And telling that secret can be a huge relief and can lead to incredible healing but you have to be ready for that. The last reason to not leave is something I try to remember saying to both individuals and couples when we're starting out. You may feel worse before you feel better, and that's not a reason to leave. Think about a pot of simmering soup on the stove. It's metaphorically simmered there for years, and suddenly you're going to lift off the top and let the steam escape. Guess what? All of a sudden, the soup smell takes over the room. That's what happens in therapy. You're opening, maybe for the first time, feelings long suppressed or really tough memories or being honest about what you've been experiencing and receiving a diagnosis, so it doesn't always feel good. In fact, you can feel worse. But gradually, that normally goes away as your trust 
grows in both yourself and in the process. Let's talk a little about termination of therapy. I always acknowledge that the therapy process itself, things like whether or not a patient is on time, whether they remember what was talked about or tell me they can't in the last session, or on the opposite side of things, whether they take notes and are very proactive, bringing in their own questions and thoughts. All of those things reveal something about that person. They give me information, both about their skills and their vulnerabilities. Saying goodbye is one of those skills. It's ideal to have a termination session with your therapist, which is a chance for you both to talk about why and how the relationship is ending, acknowledging all the progress you made. But a lot of people don't do it because goodbyes, even good goodbyes, are hard. And people avoid them. I get it. And I don't have a standard that I expect from people. We're all coping with our vulnerabilities, and there are plenty of people who avoid goodbyes. It's just human nature. So I get a text or someone emails, or they just disappear and never make another appointment. Maybe I'll hear from them later when they get a little distance from the relationship. I understand. I truly do. But if you can have a closure session, then good for you. But don't beat yourself up. If you can't, that's just not helpful. Let's take a second to talk about when and if your therapist terminates with you. I've already mentioned that there are times I've worked with someone and it's simply not going well. Sometimes we can jumpstart things by talking about that very problem. Sometimes the patient doesn't agree with me and thinks therapy's going fine, and that's kind of a tough conversation. Occasionally, maybe rarely, as I've already said, it can be counter-transference for me and I need to refer or get good supervision to manage that. But sometimes, you know, therapists are people too, and what if my own life changes, or my practice is taking another turn, and I need to terminate a patient? It should always be handled very thoughtfully and carefully, if not for a true emergency that I can't control. For example, I changed my practice substantially this past year, and I told people months in advance of the change so that we could do the work we needed to do in a timely manner. But... Dependent on the kind of work you've been doing, a therapist terminating can be very hard not to take personally, especially if you have any kind of abandonment in your history. Referrals should always be offered, and that's true even if the patient does the terminating. So it can be really tough to terminate a therapeutic relationship, whether it's about the therapist's needs or the patient's. But one last thought for those of you who have had to end a relationship with a therapist that you really miss When I was moving to Arkansas, I was obviously going to have to leave my therapist, and I wasn't ready to do that. He said to me, Margaret, do you know most of the time what I'm going to say or what I would say if you ask a question? By then, we'd worked together for a couple of years, and I said, of course, yes, I do. He said, well, that's internalization, and that is going on with you. You know what I'd say. So remember that. If you enjoyed your therapist and you've learned a lot from them, And with them, you've internalized who they are. You can hear them in your head and your heart. And you'll have that forever. The listener email is not an email this time. It is a letter that I received just last week, and I wanted to feature it. Dear Dr. Margaret, I wanted to write you in order to take a moment to express my appreciation and gratitude for your podcasts and the inspiration, reflection, and encouragement they provide. 
Since we recently were given tablets and access to certain content, I now begin each morning in quiet about 4 a.m., listening to and thinking on your message. What I didn't say is this man is imprisoned. As an incarcerated individual, and a gay one at that, I have faced extreme isolation and loneliness in this facility, particularly when you combine my orientation, education, and business executive owner background. Although surrounded by a thousand people and teaching GED business classes and generally spending time helping other inmates, I struggled personally to be positive and focus on my self-improvement and growth, something which your podcasts have really helped enable me to do. Some of the podcasts I'm most connected with include today's Emotional Bandwidth, Building Self-Confidence, and Becoming an Emotional Grown-Up. I think they have been most helpful to me in working through the feelings, logistics, and challenges associated with someone who I admire and become close to, something I've never allowed or considered in prison due to my unwillingness to trust, express myself, and allow vulnerability, let alone a lack of quality individuals with goals and values who are trying to learn and change. Your podcasts have helped me tremendously in trying to develop, grow, constructively support this relationship in person, and I'm incredibly grateful. Again, thank you for your thoughts and insight. Even to a prison inmate, it can be life-changing. Best regards. I was very, very touched by this letter. So why am I sharing this with you? Not only because I was touched, but because maybe your own loved ones are in prison and they could listen to self-work or other podcasts that would help them. I'd never even known that was a possibility. And so, I pass this info on to you, that it could be helpful in that setting as well. Thank you, as always, for joining me here at Self Work. You do not know what your presence means to me. Your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are very revealing to me. Help me guide the podcast. Let me know who's listening. So thank you for that. I've written a book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, which I'm absolutely passionate about its message, that someone's life who looks very successful and in control can actually, underneath all of that persona of perfection, can hide so much secrecy and loneliness and pain that even suicide becomes more of an option. I don't want you or any of your loved ones to be that person. So I wrote the book. I never really wanted to write a book, but this message was so important to me to get out. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, give them some business. It has over 60 exercises that can help really anyone begin to discover what's keeping them from growing in the direction they want to grow. There are a lot of places you can find me. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com. And if you subscribe there, you'll actually receive a weekly newsletter from me that gives you that weekly blog post and podcast, as well as what else is going on with me, perhaps some seminar I'm giving or something like that. Quick and dirty newsletter. So I'd love to have you there. I'm over on Instagram. And next month, I'm actually going to start doing some IGTV over there, I hope trying to fit it into the schedule. I think it would be fun. And I'll probably read some listener emails over there as well, because I get so many, I can't feature them all here. That's Instagram.com slash Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And I have a closed Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. 
That again is facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. And again, whatever this season of the year means to you and coming into 2021, please celebrate in peace. I'm very grateful that self-work is a part of your life and that you are a part of mine. Thank you for being here again. Take very good care. Stay safe and sound. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.